folks. Welcome back to another episode of Loss of Lieutenant. Uh, on tonight's episode, it's actually going to be a spotlight, um, so a shorter form episode where we have brought Nick back into the studio, or my lounge room, yes. um, <laughs> to go over the, some more of the missions that were submitted in the quarterly challenge for the custom missions and um, we've already done or you and Val have already gone over yes. the top five and some mm-hmm. of the mechanics but now we want to sort of dive into some of the basically the honorable mentions which didn't make top five but we wanted to co- talk about for for various reasons yeah so basically these are the ones that had interesting mechanics that we wanted to discuss we won't necessarily go into the detail we did last episode and I guess we had a lovely discussion right before this and then started recording um some of these are excellent missions that will be in the tournament on the weekend, yes. and some of them definitely need work. But the goal of this is to highlight those interesting mechanics that we hope uh, other people will catch on to and possibly make other revisions of or new missions based on them. Yeah, exactly. And like, like you said in the last episode, there was 36 submissions. It was really difficult for us to narrow them down to our top five. Oh, yes. And these are the ones that we wish we could have had in the top five, but... You know, we we like like you know we could be here. We could do several episodes on this, just going over every mission. But uh, we wanted to definitely have a, this bonus episode to go over um, some of our sort of favorite funny missions. Yeah, these were all ones that fell into one of our top fives. Yeah, but not enough of them, and we had to make a cut at five. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's get uh, let's let's get stuck straight into it. So, um. Uh, for those of you who are watching along at home, we have a demolition run up on the screen. And first of all, I'd like to say as well, thank you so much, Nick, to uh, for your editing skills oh, you. uh, on these missions. Now, that's, uh, most of our submissions were really well done, really well edited, and had the CB format mostly down pat. But uh, Nick has run his eye over it and um, brought them all into this kind of format for ease us tonight going through so thanks so much for for doing okay. that it's a lot of lot of work yeah. and the uh packet with all of these in them should be out before this episode is out yes yes hopefully yes uh we still have to do the um random winner for the quarter so oh, oh. maybe stay tuned for that one uh perhaps when we maybe when we get to it i don't know because we've, we've already done the draw so uh mm. in secret but we can uh, we can maybe get to that when we when we hit that particular mission uh, all right so first of all we've got demo run um, so this one's um, sent in to us by um, Harrison Linder, who's from uh, South Australia, actually. Uh, he's coming to BCB. He just signed up. So I'm really Lovely. looking forward to seeing him because this mission is really fun. Um, do you want to uh, take it away? Yeah. So read this mission the first time and just got nostalgia for back in high school playing Counter-Strike, hmm. um, and which is appropriate because that's what the author said they were looking for is that countdown tension of the bomb runs in FPS games. The uh, unique thing about this mission is how it does the bombs and how the timers work. So you get two bombs at the start and you have to place them on buildings in your opponent's almost deployment zone. It's a little bit more flexible. 16 inches outside of... Yeah. 16 inches from the edge of their deployment zone. So that first 16 inches... Yeah, so we're 16 from the board edge, and it's 12-inch deployment zone, so yes. it's like deployment plus four. Yes, that's right. And when you place it, then you get, I believe, three armed counters on the bomb. Two. Oh, two, yeah, yes. Two. Okay. Yeah. And those tick 
up or down depending on who's playing with the bomb. So at the start of every player's turn, you add an armed counter to it. Mm -hmm. And if it gets up to four, it explodes. Congratulations. Uh, The opponent can try to counteract this by disarming it. And it's not just as simple as click, it's done, remove it. You have to remove armed counters. That's right, yes. So it's going to take multiple attempts. Uh, Yes, diffuse bomb. Diffuse bomb is the scale. Yeah. Yeah. So each successful, you remove one armed counter, which delays the explosion, but doesn't prevent it unless you get it all the way down to zero armed counters, in which case it's removed. It's removed, yeah. Yeah, so that's the diffuse. And then, yeah, you can you can plant the bomb mm-hmm. by um, using a specialist mm-hmm. uh, who's carrying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a bonus to engineer and forward observers, which is great. We like this. This the scene, this forward observer bonus is, is good. We I, th- I don't know if you guys discussed it in the last, ep- last episode, but there's a uh, few of those. Yeah, there up. were some more forward observer bonuses and some that really singled them out and gave them special powers. Yes, uh, Because, yes, they're kind of the ones that are like a specialist operative, except for they are spelled differently. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I mean, it's great to see the, the forward observer bonus getting getting a bit more love. Um, on this mission, which we, what we, one of the important parts of this mission, which mm-hmm. we haven't touched on, is um, who gets the bombs. Yes. So uh, it's a standard twelve-inch deployment zone. There's no. Uh, I'll show it up on the screen here. Standard twelve-inch deployment zone. There's no. There's no objectives per se. Um, and uh, but when you are when once you finish deploying. Um, there is a uh, oh yeah the yep. bombs yeah so each player starts the game with two friendly bomb tokens bombs must be represented by 25 mil bomb tokens at the end of the deployment phase in deployment order each player nominates up to two models inside the deployment zone these models must safe must satisfy the common rules for bombs assign your bomb tokens to your nominated models so I really like this because it gets around an exclusion zone yes it does the same thing that an exclusion zone normally does, which is set a minimum distance back f- between you and the objective, or in this case, the objective and its target. Mm-hmm. So you can use your infiltrate. You can use your forward deploy. Nothing's stopping you from doing that, but the objective can't start any further forward. So this gives a couple of different ways you could approach it. You could assign the bomb to someone in your deployment zone who's fast. Yes. You could also infiltrate some specialists who are fast and then daisy chain the bomb up there through other models. Yeah. Yeah. And basically it acts the same as if you're carrying a supply box. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have to spend the order to, um, to pick up um, bombs. So mm-hmm. like not the person who's carrying it, but the person who's taking it off the other player in the same uh, way as you would hand off a supply box mm-hmm. um there's no lim- there's no there's no limitations on who can carry the supply box correct so you can give it to uh, uh you can actually give it to a you can according to this the way that the author's done it is you mm-hmm. can give it to a peripheral you can give it to like uh mm-hmm. you know to pupniks to nazmats to, mm-hmm. to to the peacemakers oxbot if you want to mm-hmm. um and that, that's why he also has said um with up to up to two models inside the deployment zone. Yes. So um, the common rules of bombs mean that only, only each model can carry a maximum of one bomb, but 
I'm also with baggage skill. So I'm thinking like Magariba, for example. Yes. Right? Yes. She can carry two, but she's not a specialist, so she can't plant them. But she can... She can get them close. She can get them there. Mm-hmm. And then you can have a, an, an infiltrated specialist or an AD to walk on the side of the board, mm-hmm. take them off her, and then boom, boom, plant. Plant one, grab the other one, plant the other one. Um, which is really cool. It, it adds a lot of like um, difference to each game because you're... You know, you, you can play around with who gets the bombs and how you pass the bombs off. And it gives several different approaches that are all equally valid, mm-hmm. but some may work better for some armies. Some may work better against certain opponents. And I really like that it encourages the use of handing off supply boxes. Yeah. And, and uh, I think to note as well is um, you, you cannot pick up an enemy's bomb. Correct. So if, if I shoot next trip and he drops the bomb, that's mm-hmm. where the bomb will stay until he picks it up with yep. someone else picks it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no like stealing someone else's bomb, which at first I was like, oh, but then it just makes the game more complicated because yes. then you're like, well, where do I put this bomb? Well, because if you were able to steal someone's bomb, then you could basically time out the game because sure. they wouldn't have enough time for it to explode. That's true. Oh, yeah. So we, we should probably just cover off on, on that mm-hmm. explode mechanic because you mm-hmm. did mention it earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so once uh, so it says arm yep. bombs. Yes, that's right. So once you've placed a bomb, which is just uh, a whip check, mm-hmm. um, it has to be on a scenery item that is inside. So it has to be inside the 16 inch line of your opponent's side of the table. Yep. And on a scenery item that is inside that 16 inch line. Now, it doesn't specify that the building needs to be entirely inside the 16 inch line, which I think is it probably. It leaves good. it a little bit vague. Yeah. Uh, so you could probably negotiate with your opponent if you have really big buildings that segments of those buildings were independent yeah you could probably say like okay you know this this building is majority inside the 16 inch but there's like a few mm-hmm. inches that are out yeah as long as you are inside the 16 inch part of the building i would say mm-hmm. like any part of that building counts or that building does count uh, but also you know so, so similar to something like how you do d charges you know the d charges mm-hmm. inside but the d charge um classified sabotage says it has to be entirely inside yes. Um, but I think this makes it a lot bit easier because, again, you've got less room to play with, and it doesn't. It also means it removes the need to, for a TO to set up a table in a particular yes. way to make sure all these buildings are inside the 16. You don't line. have to have this nice line down the 16 inch. Which yeah, which actually then creates issues with deploying because then you have this like line <laughs> of like nothing where yep. things can be shot at. So um, I really like that. Um, so anyway, once it's placed at the start of each player turn, add one arm counter to all armed bombs. Um, an armed bomb that has just been placed starts the game with two. So it says here, place two armed counters on the bomb. Yep. The bomb is now considered armed. Um, add, on one, add one armed counter to all armed bombs on the table. If any bomb has four, it will detonate. And this is the fun bit. Place a circular template centered on each bomb that has detonated. All troopers within template range must make an arm save against damage 15 with explosives. Yes. <laughs> um, then remove the detonated bomb. Now, I feel like that's unlikely to take place a lot of the time because I feel like uh, you are going to place it and then die or run away. Correct. But think about what happens to the specialist who failed to disarm the bomb last round. Oh, right. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so like, I'd gone up, turn one, whatever, yeah. place it. I finish my turn. It starts your turn. It's now got three arm tokens on it. Oh, so I plant the bomb. The start oh. of your turn, it gets the third. If you don't do anything, the start of my fourth turn, it goes off. You have one turn to try to disarm it. 
So, oh yeah, so yeah, so so my turn, it, I put it down. It goes it has two. Mm-hmm. It goes over to your turn. It starts in has three, yep. and then you've got your turn to try and disarm it. If you don't, it goes to four and blows up. Right? Yes. Okay. That's so much fun yeah. because yeah, you just like especially if you're just like rolling twenties, rolling twenties, like please. Yeah, please. I'll, I'll, this would be a good part to bring in the infocom card or intelcom card. Uh, intelcom card. Yes, I re- I like how this did it because so, so often yeah. intelcom cards just don't get used exactly so there are um there are three classifieds in mm-hmm. this mission but it does say one objective point for each maximum of two and it's a c intel com card rule um so this one here i mean you think you discussed it in the last episode briefly mm-hmm. this one is intel com card disruption do you want to take it away okay so normally you have to sacrifice an unfulfilled uh sorry uh classified card there we go in this it's a more powerful effect but you could only trigger it after you have satisfied and completed and classified. So once you complete a classified and reveal it to your opponent, you can choose to trigger the Intel com effect. Yeah. In which case, on your opponent's next turn, the first time they try to defuse a bomb, the skill will automatically fail. Automatically fail. That's the downside is yeah. you have now basically given up a victory point. Yes, yes. So, like, yeah, yeah. So, if you've had a, a, a test run, for example, and yep. um, you, you've, you, you've used it to repair mm-hmm. a remote, mm-hmm. and then at that point you say, I can choose to reveal that card. I mean, usually you reveal that card when you say you've done mm-hmm. the classified, but yep. in, this, in this instance... Oh, in this case, you, you can only trigger the effect the moment you satisfy the classified. But it says the player may choose to reveal that card. So, you don't, have to, you don't have to... Correct. If you don't want to. But it's only good when you have satisfied that. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. you, you do the classified. Correct. You don't have to you can keep that one yes. in your in your pocket and say yes. I've got that point, but if it gets to a if it gets to a point but it says that player may choose to reveal a card. So when you when you sorry, when you fulfill it. Mm-hmm. So you can't so you can't keep it in your pocket. Correct. You, you say I've done test run, here it is. At that point you have to then say, Am I or am I not going Correct. to use it as an Intel comp? If you yes. say no, then that's that that's that point's yours. Yep. You've got that point, but you can at that moment say, This one I've just fulfilled, I'm gonna use it as Intel Com. So the next time you do a whip check to defuse a bomb, it'll automatically mm-hmm. fail. Is it De- only is oh, it only, it's only on their next turn. So mm-hmm. timing is important. Ah they mean oh no, wait, they may nominate one of their arm bombs on the table. Oh, I forgot about yes. that part. Yes. In their opponent's next player turn, the mm-hmm. first defused bomb skill used. Okay, so it's the next player turn. Yeah. yeah. So you obviously don't want to le- you don't want to be the second player and use it on your last turn because you. It well, work. you work. Just take the objective. Point. <laughs> yes, you take the objective point. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, yeah, so the timing is important. Maybe leaving it till the end, of, like near the end of the game when orders yes. are sparse, mm-hmm. and maybe they've maybe you've already killed all their forward observers and engineers, and they've just got like a tech B or something, you know, <laughs> whip twelve, mm-hmm. and they're like. Last order, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is, which I really like because that does make Intelcom more interesting and useful. Yes, and getting that extra uh, classified card means that you don't, you're not sacrificing a victory point. That's right. Yes, uh, I mean you're. I mean, sorry, you, you you're not sacrificing the potential yes. for what yeah. you can still use Intelcom and score ten objective points. That's true. If you satisfy all three of your classifieds. Yes, so that's true because typically you can you can exchange that in frontline, for example, you're locked out at nine nine yes. OP, whereas this one you can still get ten, but you, you need to get three mm-hmm. classifieds to do it, which 
you know, could be very difficult, but um, mm-hmm. I think there is an HVT in this one. Yes, so you can yep. still get secure HVT mm-hmm. at the end, so you're not completely locking yourself out. And then also there is a defensive turret in this mission as well. So, do you know the story behind the defensive turret in this mission? No. So in the author's notes for this, they said that uh, CV likes to add these industry models, and it was the model that was currently on their painting table in front of them, so they <laughs> added a defensive turret. <laughs> sure. I, 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 uh, I dig it. And I think I think this mission is really interesting. I was building a list for it because I'm playing, uh, playing a game on Thursday of this one, and it is really interesting trying to build a list for it to figure out what troopers do you want to do you want to do you want to hold them onto? I'm thinking I'm looking at um, forward observer bots because they're six four move, right? They can get there, they can place it, they get the two dice, the plus three, mm-hmm. but they're also like they have no armor. You know, yeah, very flimsy. They kind of go down when people look at them harshly. Yeah, and also uh, something else I was thinking of is you don't just want to put all of your eggs into the placing the bomb. Mm-hmm. You also need to keep things back to defuse the bomb. Yes, if your opponent does manage to snake its way through, and you've pushed all of your you know, your 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 um, specialists into the midfield, you're going to bring them back to go yes. defuse that bomb. And yeah. if you don't have the right bomb, you could just not do it and then it goes off. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's really interesting. And yeah, the, def- the defense mechanism is really interesting, similar to something like Capture and Protect, where you've got to really mm-hmm. defend your lines, but it's a broader line you've got to defend. Um, yeah, this is, this is really cool. Um, looking forward to playing this one. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, uh, what's up next? So, dropshipping. Okay, so next one we have dropshipping. So this is a crazy mission, and uh, I think even CB were like, whoa, okay, what so is this? This is a narrative mission. Yes, okay, yes, yes. Good, good <laughs> we'll we'll start with that. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, uh, da, 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 da. Okay, do you want me to take this one away? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll can. take this one away. So uh, Val, Val wrote some notes on this one. Um, actually, I don't actually have a synopsis for this, so I'm just going to basically tell you what I uh, see in this mission. Um, so it is an armory or an objective room mission, um, but the, the objective room is actually a dropship. Um, so the intent of the mission is you have to um, get things into the dropship, and then at some point in the game, the dropship takes off. So either at it automatically takes off the end of the second round. And that's right, yes. But it can be triggered at the end of the first game round. By the players. By the players, by using, uh, I think there's a console or something like yes, that. Yes, um, if you've successfully downloaded the ship logs, I believe. Oh, yes, yes. So, so if any into- player has hit the console, then it triggers the takeoff during turn one. That's right, yeah. So there's, there's, there's this drop ship in the middle, which is essentially just the armory, mm-hmm. the, the objective room. Mm-hmm. There is ship's logs inside there, and there are tech coffins inside there. Everything mm-hmm. It's a wide gate. But yeah, what makes this mission so super crazy is this thing will take off uh, either turn one or turn two, yep. and then it will create a second, second table, like a sideboard yes. table. Yes. With, with whatever ended up, whatever was in the armory room when it took off, now it has to fight in the air somewhere. Yes. <laughs> and when it takes off, there's this nice little last minute scramble. So anyone who's within, I think, eight inches of it oh, yes. can make a dodge roll to try to get onto or off of the dropship before it leaves. Yes, that's it. Yeah. At the end of the second game round, the dropship takes off. If player if player downloaded the ship, the first game around takes off. Yep. When the dropship takes off, models within zone of control of the dropship may dodge as an arrow to either enter or leave the dropship. Uh, and then you mark the position of the four corners and then mm-hmm. you remove it from the game. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that launch area where it used to be is now a saturation zone for the remainder of the game, which is mm-hmm. quite nice because it, it, can't, it, doesn't, it 
sort it of, means you don't have a giant gap in the middle of the board. Yeah, it's slightly. It, at least it does something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the sort of the basic main objectives for the game are to um, control um, supply boxes, which are inside the tech coffins. The tech, tech, the tech yep. coffins inside the dropship. Um, uh, download the ship's logs, which we've already talked about, mm-hmm. and then dominate the dropship. Yes, which is why it's really important to get things in there. So that you can dominate it because that's worth three objective yeah. points. So should we talk about what makes the dropship special? Yes, let's talk about what makes the dropship special. So it is in the air, which means aerial deployment troops can interact with it. Oh yeah, where is that bit? So uh, uh, I think it's further up. Dropship. Uh, I can't remember where it's gone. It's somewhere... It's somewhere about it. The oh, um, air, airborne deployment. Or airborne oh, drop yes, ship. That's, yep. that's it. Yeah, that's <clears> it, yes. So, yeah, after the ship takes off, uh, combat jump can jump into the dropship. Uh, I believe parachutists can also drop into the dropship, but it's a combat minus, jump at a minus three. Minus three, yep. yep. Uh, to assist with this, the inside of the dropship is now a low-vis zone, so it makes it slightly less, less lethal to try to jump on. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just like one of those things where you yeah it's like flying in the air and he this dropship guy is like comes to the door and he's like you know all hero and then he just gets like gets like immediately just kicked straight off it yep. by, by whatever was in there oh speaking of getting kicked off the ship you could because you want the objectives to be off the dropship you need ways to get off that's right yes the supply boxes while they start inside the ship mm-hmm. you actually want to get them off the ship yes so you can either do that before it takes off or you can do it after it takes off, right? Yes. Yes. So there's two ways to get off the ship. One, if you have aerial deployment, uh, you just basically aerial deploy down. Uh, so combat jumper, parachutist, you jump off, you parachute down, you land, yay you. Um, this mission has my favorite rule of the entire <laughs> contest. Yeah. And that is emergency escape. So. Oh, Yes. Yeah, so we have this fl- is we, where we, we have flea dropship, which is just like a normal scale you're talking about. But yes, emergency escape. Yes. Yes. So to do this, you have to have courage, religious trooper, or remote presence <laughs> to de- even declare the skill. <laughs> uh, at which point, you get to make a whip roll to see if you can actually do it. Oh so, yes, yes, that's right. And if you fail, you just stay on the dropship. You didn't quite work up the current. Uh, <laughs> if you succeed, uh, you get to combat jump down there, and then you take a saving throw against damage 18 continuous armor equals zero. Uh, <laughs> because you did not have a parachute. <laughs> but if you really need to get a supply box down there, um, someone else will have to claim it, but it will be down there. Oh, that's so good. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you could just pick up the supply box, emergency escape, and then yes. you, just, you die. And then, because you, you end up always landing in where the objective room used to be, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if there'd be like some sort of scatter mechanic, but this is cleaner. At least mm-hmm. you know where they go. Yeah. Uh, your, your, your smattered body is on like on the ground and then your mate can just pick up and go, thanks, yep. thanks, buddy. Yep. Cheers for that. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just scrape off all the yeah. blood and guts. Well, it's, it's okay. They had remote presence. They're not really there. Oh, yes. Yeah. That, that's the thing <laughs> I quite like. I find this quite funny as well. It says, um... Uh, the whip roll, troopers with the remote presence and or G jumper special skill automatically pass this yeah. whip roll. Yeah. So like just proxies being like, eh, whatever, I'll get a new sleeve, yeah. just yeah. jump out. <laughs> 
Just organic uh, damage. So that's that's really interesting as well. Yeah, this this um this is definitely a narrative. You do also get corsairs in this one as yeah, well. Yeah, corsair helps helps just to make sure that everyone has something to go into the dropship. Yeah, and the corsair may be the best model actually to jump onto an occupied dropship oh, because they've projector. got hollow projector, which means they can come in three doors. Right, of course. Yeah, they don't have to come on like touching each other. Right. Yeah, they just yeah. come. Oh, yeah. Good point. Because no matter where they are, they'll all be within eight inches of each other in an eight-inch room. That's a good point. Um, and also, there is the evil hacker bonus as well, yes. which, is inter- which is nice. Because yeah, I think the only missions I know that have this is like I think Biotech Four and Panic Room. Uh, I think we had one more in this that had it, but oh, it was thema- it? it was thematically appropriate yeah. to have an Evo hacker. In and there. this one is as well. So the the mm-hmm. bonus for this one basically just gives you the extra order mm-hmm. um, that we see in ITS, and which which makes a lot of sense given Evo hackers. You want the Evo hacker in this mm-hmm. mission so that you can combat jump more effectively mm-hmm. um so that's that's really great uh, uh yeah this was also the mission with the temporary exclusion zone oh right which basically was an yes. exclusion zone that went away at the start of the game so you couldn't deploy there but you could drop there and use aerial deployment after the game started yeah so that was the that's actually off the um uh it's the, the inside of the dropship inside, inside the dropship yeah, yeah. You, you can't deploy there but mm-hmm. once it obviously goes away then you can move there yeah yep. that makes sense um, anything else on this mission that we had? Um, it's basically just a crazy mission, and it's, yeah. it plays. It seems to play very, very interestingly, very fun. I haven't tried it yet, but we'd like to give it a crack. We'll be actually, trying it on Saturday. We will be because it was Val's pick for the mission, so mm-hmm. that's good. Okay, next up we have containment. Um, oh, thank. Oh, actually, no, didn't didn't put the name on that one. Yep, that's fine. Okay, so containment is kind of like a reverse panic room. You've got four containment pods that are spewing biotech for, and you have to repair them for objective points or sabotage them to give your opponent the plague. Mm-hmm. So you have to balance between like, oh, do I want them repaired or do I want to sabotage them for my opponent? But you have to have some degree of cooperation in this game because at the end of the game, oh, if yeah. there aren't enough containment pods, everyone dies. Yeah, this is so this this sorry, what you're going to say? Oh, yeah. uh, so the setup for this one is your uh, quadrants with your four things, just like supremacy. Um, um, the these objectives are containment pods, and there is a. Did you mention this already? There's a there's a biotech four zone in this mission. Yes, the biotech four zone is around those, and yes. you're trying to shut off that. So you need to run in and turn off the biotech four. Yeah, so these things are like, mm-hmm. yeah, bo- essentially sort of bombs ready to go mm-hmm. off, biotech four bombs ready to go mm-hmm. off, and you have to try to repair them, but your opponent or you can also sabotage them. sabotage them. Yep. Um, and by sabotage, we mean permanently. Permanently, yes. Yeah. So you can repair a containment mm-hmm. pod, which is just a, a, a skill that mm-hmm. you would use with a specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, once it is repaired... Um, how many wounds has it got? Oh, I'm sorry. One. This was I'm thinking of a different one. Uh, oh. In this one, basically, you can sabotage, and then once it's sabotaged, someone else can try to repair it later. Okay, um, right. yes, it's yes. not permanently sabotaged. Yeah, I'm thinking of a different mission. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, there was a bit here. So there are four containment pods, one place mm-hmm. in the center of each quadrant. Um, token or a piece of all containment pods start the game in the sabotage state. A mm-hmm. player may have a maximum of two repair containment pods at any time. Yes. 
right? So that's one player. So obviously, I can have two, Nick can have two, all four mm. repaired, we're all happy. Yep. Um, but I cannot have three. So if I repair Correct. my two, it's on Nick to try and repair his two or go and sabotage mine. Yep. And they're all with whip checks. I don't think there's any bonus. Oh, there's an engineer and hacker bonus mm -hmm. um, to this one. So plus three, two dice. Um, and essentially, is there, uh, there's no, there's no, yeah, it's basically, it's either sabotaged or it's repaired, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, kind of like an on-off switch, but open-closed, and open means there's plague coming out. That's right, yeah. So when it's um, sabotaged, um, four malfunctioning biotech vor containment pods are spewing biotech vor plague into the zone of operations of each pod, which is eight inches, an eight-inch radius of each pod. Mm -hmm. At the end of each turn, all troopers, both models and markers, belong to the active player, blah, blah, blah. Uh, take a saving throw at BTS with damage 14, same as a biotech vor zone, because... Mm -hmm. um, Troopers with structure take two saves. Hmm. At the end of the third game round, any trooper inside the zone of control of a sabotage containment pod is automatically killed. Additionally, and this yes. is where this game, this is where this mission gets spicy, if fewer than three containment pods are repaired, the biotech bore plague overflows from the containment system and infests the entire table, automatically killing all troopers. Yes. Right. Now, why is that important? Because the mission, the main objectives at the end of the game, have more repair containment pods, right? Mm -hmm. That's two objective points. At the end of the game, have have a repair containment pod. That's two objective points per repair containment pod. Mm -hmm. At the end of the game, have more surviving victory points than the adversary. Two objective points. Yes, and if everyone dies, you don't have more. You don't have more, yeah. So, uh, so that's a ba basically a way of effectively locking like shutting you basically both out of two victory points, yep. which could be an, an interesting handbrake in the event that you are losing because you maybe only have one repaired containment pod mm -hmm. and your opponent has two and you cannot maybe get to their, the one of them to repair it. You can just... You can sabotage one of theirs. Suddenly there's not two repaired. There's not three repaired not on the three board. There's on the board. And... <clears throat> Just and yeah, kill, just kill everybody because I think so, does, that, does that make sense? That work for the points. Correct. So you can only have two repaired pods at a time, mm -hmm. which means to have the minimum three repaired at the end of the game, you have to have two, and your opponent has to have at least one. That's right. So there is some timing with you want to ha let them repair to an extent, but be prepared to stab them in the back at the last minute. So think of it like you're both rendering humanitarian aid but you want to look better <laughs> doing so <laughs> yeah so like an, an example i'm thinking of mm. is yeah so maybe i've gone second mm. you've repaired two of yours mm. i've only got one of mine repaired mm -hmm. um but you are ahead on victory points yep right so currently you mm. would have um two points for more uh, four points for having two repaired, so that's six points. Mm -hmm. And then you'd have another two points for having more victory points. And then there are also there are also two classifieds. So yep. you could potentially be on ten, mm -hmm. and I could be on nothing. Yep. Right? I could now let, let's just say I got two classifieds mm -hmm. as well. So I'm I'm on two, you're on you don't maybe don't have any, you're on mm -hmm. eight, but you might but I want to knock you down to maybe six. Yeah. I can just destroy one of the one one, one to sabotage one of the repair one of the containment pods. Mm -hmm which knocks two points off you, but then we'll both die, which means yes. none of us gets victory points. Yep. And it could end up in a, what, like a two, four, like a, mm -hmm. like a four nil? Well, or basically it means that if you're in the lead, you cannot rest. Yeah. Like yeah. If, you, okay. if you go in, 
If you're going first and you end turn three with two pods and they have one, their target is to destroy one of your pods to knock off a lot of your victory points. And that means they can't just go, I've got all these buttons turned on. I win. I'll take a nice break. Yeah, okay. They have to not just have them turned on. They have to defend them to the end of the game. Yeah, right. Yeah, because it maybe is, is better if, if both of us have two on each. Yes. Two repaired each, but then you're winning. You're beating me on victory points. Mm-hmm. It would be in my best interest, obviously, instead of I can't kill you, mm-hmm. just try to sabotage one pod. Correct. Which will drop two points off of you. It doesn't kill everybody because we've still got three activated. Mm-hmm. But that is, yeah, that's that's kind of how yeah. you do it. Yeah. yeah. So okay. going, so if say going into ter- bottom of turn three, if the first player has two, the second player has one, they can try to repair one and demolish one, and then they swing to lead. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. if they can't repair one of theirs, they never. Re- they can yeah. potentially do that, or they could repair one, and now they've tied. Yeah, it's got a lot of different ways you could approach it. Yeah, and I think it's also a very it's a very simple mission. I think as well, there's not mm-hmm. like it's fairly simple what you want what you have to do. It's fairly easy for me to read it and understand. Okay, I, this is where the points are because they're all I, they're all at end of game, mm-hmm. right? So it's uh, and then the only thing to bear in mind is: do you want to kill everybody? Is that in your best interest? Yes, uh, because no one gets any points from that. But you might just knock your opponent down from like a major to a minor, perhaps. Well, and you might knock them down within two points of you. Could be, yes, for be. the offense bonus. Uh, and then, like, then the biotech board plague area is um, like eight inches is a fair bit of the board. Yes. Um, so I think if we say it right, the um, the um, uh, they are large enough to overlap with each other. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So they're six <laughs> inches from the six inches from obviously from the middle, which means six yeah. inches from the deployment zone. So if you're in your DZ, you're, you can you're, be touched by some of these. Yes. But you can be fairly safe if you stay in your DZ, unlike a lot yes. of like Panic Room and, and Biotech Vor, mm-hmm. where things in your DZ will die. Like yes. Your, your Flash Pulse bots, your engineer and stuff. In this mission, they should be fine. Yes. Unless, of course, at the end of the game, everyone dies. Correct. Um, so that, that I kind of like, it doesn't, it doesn't force you to create a list, like a Biotech Vor list, where you have to make something that runs out of the DZ. Correct. And gets to the objective. Mm-hmm. It's more... Um, it's more like, do I have a tough enough specialist or do I have enough specialists that can get their push the button and potentially survive like a turn of maybe just getting whacked by the biotech board's zone, mm-hmm. um, which creates some interesting um, list compositions because you could be looking at heavy infantry mm-hmm. and multiple wound models, tags, that sort of thing. Uh, although Val did make the note here that it is not a very tag-friendly mission. Oh, true. Because, because tags have structure That's and right. your opponent can sabotage the biotech for container right next to your tag. That's true. So at the start of your turn, it takes damage. That's true. Although, uh, again, uh, most tags want to probably be living in the deployment zone anyway. So yes. they, sh- they can avoid being hit by the zone. Mm-hmm. They can move out, take some gunfights, run back. Yeah. As long as they don't end, as long as they don't start their turn in that zone, yes. then, they're, then they're pretty safe. So mm-hmm. this one I really like. There's also no quarter, so there's no, there's no retreat in this one, which makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, and yeah, I think this one's great. I think it obviously it has a slight issue with the mm. ability to just screw your opponent over. Yeah. But I feel like that's a fun mechanic. Yeah. Like that that should be in the game more often. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can score points by you can score tournament points by reducing your opponent's objective points close enough that you score an offensive bonus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, this, or this, defensive bonus. So yes. uh, yeah, thanks very much to uh, Corey McCulloch. He's, he's also, I think, from South Australia. So um, another Aussie putting out a really interesting mission. Um, thanks so much, buddy. Okay, so next one we have 
arms race. Uh, so I feel like you have read this one more than I have. Would okay. You, are you happy to uh, go through it? Yeah. Is, or am I putting you on the spot? No, I, I can go through both. Okay. okay. Uh, so, I, can, I can help you out, but yes. Yeah, okay. So arms race. It's another narrative mission. It looks like incredible amounts of fun and the random elements look like they might be a little too swingy for a serious event. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially it, once you get to starting your tag up and seeing what it has. I think there is very much a, a bit of like a collective, like, we get a free tag. Yes. <laughs> so that's what this mission is. Okay. About, right? So both of you have a prototype tag <laughs> that you first have to repair. And it's going to take a couple repair rolls to get it up and going. Then you have to get a pilot into it, but thankfully all specialists in this mission, I believe, get pilot as a skill. Yes. Uh, once a pilot jumps into the tag, you now turn it on. Tags have both booty and metachemistry. You don't roll until you turn the tag on, and it's then you find crazy. out what you have. <laughs> it's crazy. Um because it's also, the stat line on this thing is, uh, I think it's an S6 tag. Yes. It has a, mm -hmm. where is it? Oh, yeah. I'll just zoom that one in a yep. bit so I can see it a bit better. It is uh, movement 6.4, CC 17, mm -hmm. BS 14, which I'm like, that's a, yep. Okay. Fizz 15, the willpower is the same as your pilot. Arm 6, BTS 6, structure 3, mm -hmm. silhouette 6. Yep. Um, it's equipment is ECM, ECM guided minus six, so typical, fairly standard. Mm -hmm. ECM hacker minus three, which is spicy. Uh, BS attack plus one damage. Booty, like make, make chemistry, like you said. Mm -hmm. Dodge, fizz 11. Gizmo kit, fizz 11. Immunity shock. But its weapons are probably where it's, like, it, I think it's where it's... It's a little has, weaker. It's a bit weaker. So it has a spitfire, a nanopulsor plus one burst, a multi-pistol, and an APCC weapon. Uh, so a fairly broad range of weapons there. Um, mm -hmm. Medium range. Uh, it's not an AP Spitfire. Uh, it's not an HMG. Well, you've got your high burst. You've got your template. You've got your close range. Yeah, it does. It does everything. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty, it's a pretty decent tag, and it could be mm -hmm. bonkers with booty and meta chemistry. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, considering both those tables, or the booty table has some lovely stuff for tags oh, my. that oh, almost my. never get to be used. Yeah, total immunity. Um, oh yeah. Like, yeah, mimetism minus six or whatever it is. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So that's half the mission. That's kind of the defense of half the mission. Yeah. The offense of half the mission is done by a war corps. Oh, yes. I love this. I love <laughs> so, this. So to start with, you get a free war corps with any weapon loadout you would like. Mm, okay. So uh, flashbulls uh, and stun pistol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, more of... Uh, Although in this case, it's still probably 360 Pfizer. Yeah, most of the time. Uh, there, there's really no reason to have six cents of this because you're trying to use them offensively. Yeah. So the goal of the War Corps is to document the opponent's tag. So they have to, uh, I think, so I think it's uh, capture evidence just a little bit lower. Capture evidence. Yep. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Yeah. So only troopers with the journalist skill can declare this skill. Which means you could take two war cores, and if you're, I think, Toha, you oh, can no, throw if you're in. you're a foreign company, you can. Oh, so the diplomatic delegate is yes, also one? Yes, also has journalism. Yes. So Toha could take three journalists. I think foreign company can are AVA two war, oh. war cores as well. Okay. So they can have three, um, two. Yeah, foreign company get them because they're, you know, yeah. they're like the, they're like, they love, you know, they love being out there. Yeah. And if you've ever wanted to take advantage of that plus mod on the journalist skill, 
this mission takes it into account. Yay. <laughs> so basically, Warcore has to take pictures. And once they do, they've got captured evidence. It mm -hmm. works like a supply token that only they can carry. Uh, your opponent's goal is to destroy it. So your Warcore has to go up, snap pictures of the tag, and run away. Yeah. So it's, uh, where is it? It says it's capture evidence. And is there a destroy evidence bit in here? Um, I believe it's uh, leave no oh, traces. leave no traces. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, troopers may destroy the opponent's captured evidence by using coup de gras on or by isolating the trooper's journalists. Oh, that's it. So, so in so this, you can oblivion the journalist to cut off their upload. Ah, right. Yeah. So it's not like it's not the supply token you're wanting. It's just that token's there to signify that that that, that, that they, that's that, the model you need to take care of. Take care of with <laughs> yes. you know o o with concilium approved weaponry. So <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I don't think that's mentioned in there, but I think you know you should be you know just. Of course, because, you know, if you fail, the War Corps will capture yeah. you using non-approved weaponry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, which is really interesting. Yeah, Oblivion hacking. So you can... Uh, yeah, so, so coup de, yeah. yeah, coup de gras. So coup de gras, you've got coup de gras the War Corps. Correct. So what happens if you just kill the War Corps? Uh, I believe that... Oh, I don't remember. I think this is one of the ones where the, the author didn't have an explanation for it, and I didn't... Uh, feel comfortable putting one in. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you scroll up, um, scroll up to the top. Uh, I believe at the end of the game, have destroyed your opponent's captured evidence. Uh, I believe with the captured evidence, if the model leaves the table, it leaves with them. In this case, oh, do, are they, because are, they, are they can't, it's to not a token that stays on the table. But how do they get? How do they? How do they capture the? How do they do that though? Because if they if they it doesn't there's no oh. rule for leaving the table. Uh, Trooper may no longer use the capture evidence skill, so you just have captured the evidence. Uh, I uh, believe the intent was that if the model leaves the table, it leaves with them. But... No, there's no there's okay. I, don't think, I don't think there's any rule. I don't think there's any rule for that. Ah, so I'll I think have to go for this tonight before I publish. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of uh, it's basically if that model stays on the table to the end of the game. At yes. the end of the game, have destroyed your opponent's captured evidence. At the beginning, at the end of the game, have captured evidence of your opponent's prototype tag. Mm -hmm. So, but it doesn't specify, like, I mean, essentially, yeah, if the, if the war goes on his job and he stays alive to the end of the game, mm -hmm. you have it. Yeah. But because the only way that you can destroy the evidence is by coup de grind the war core or oblivioning the war core, then what happens if you just shoot the war core dead? Does that count as I, destroying the evidence? I or don't know. I think not? this is one of those ambiguous situations where yeah. I didn't because I feel, feel like, like I could read the the author's intent well enough. Yeah, because I feel and like couldn't and I didn't want to rewrite the uh, the scenario for them. Yeah, because I feel like if you before the war core has captured the evidence, then they're fair game to shoot and kill. Oh, them, oh right? yes. <laughs> but once they've captured the evidence, it sort of seems to assume uh, sort of seems to say that you're best off um to um try try to like kind of like uh like digitally like, erase basically. Kind of like in like those Hollywood movies where you know the the president sending somebody you know to you know just go take care of this person and then this person like the the secret service trying to kill this like journalist and then like they they blunder it or like the journalist walks into an open area and they're like oh damn we can't kill him and like we have to like do it sneakily now which is I think is kind of what they're getting at is like mm -hmm. before he's taken the evidence now he's got the evidence he's like oh, you can't get me now I've got this I'm gonna give this to CNN mm -hmm. and then they're like oh, okay well, well what we'll do is we'll just give you some sleeping pills or they'll like we'll just you know 
bribe you or something. So mm-hmm. there, maybe there's this sort because what I see as being a bit of an issue is once the war corps has captured the evidence, mm-hmm. what's stopping the war from just standing up and just flash pulsing everything that gets to you? Because if you have to coup de grab them, mm-hmm. then you can't uh, shoot them. I think that's them. also where oblivion comes in. Oh, I guess where you, you have get, a hacker can... go in and delete the information uh, from their yeah, device. That becomes a bit easier. Well, not easier, but it, it means that like you got another way around doing it rather than just um, mm-hmm. coup de gras. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a really fun mission. Um, definitely want to try that this one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's consoles in here that you can basically activate to overload your opponent's tag, and oh yes, puts it in basically. Isolated and immobilized, I believe. Yes, so the activate console, once it's activated, um, uh, successful roll, the player immediately applies the isolated and immobilized B state to the opponent's active prototype tag. The prototype tag is no longer considered active until these states are removed. The only way to remove them is with an engineer. Yes. Uh, once activated, the console can no longer be activated by either player for the remainder of the game. So basically, it's like a one-use-only. One, one each only, player like, can, use each co- can use one of the consoles once. One of the consoles once as a sort of like... Mm-hmm stop button on that prototype yeah. tag before it rampages through your lines. Uh, or so that the war core doesn't get AROed by the tag. Ah, right. Okay, yep. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay, yep. uh, so that's that's a fun mission. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Josh, for that one. Uh, okay, next up we have... All right, we've got this one. Quite excited to talk about this one because yes. I've, actually, I've actually played it. Oh, So this one excellent. is uh, Data Heist. This one was sent in to us by uh, Richford, Richard Rushforth um, and was actually one of the missions that got a fair bit of comment from Heloise. Yes, specifically for the alternate scoring method. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heloise seemed to like that as a... And I like it because it adds more nuance to how you can score points because you can score them in smaller increments. Yes, yeah, so the, so the aim of this game is um, there is a... Here we go. So there is a table here. It's your standard uh, three objectives in the middle, like supplies, except the two on the outside are tech coffins, and the one in the middle is what's called the data vault. Mm-hmm. Now, the objective of this mission is the two on the outside, the tech coffins, contain effectively supply boxes, which yes. are called data info cubes. Yeah. Right? And you can extract them just like a supply box. Uh, once a model is holding an info cube, they will download what's called data packets at mm-hmm. the end of every game turn. Sorry, every, uh, actually, every... if you scroll down, oh, yeah. uh, there's a whole table uh, at the very bottom. Yep, there you go. Oh, yes. Yeah, so at the end of each player turn, you will um, you will download a number of data packets depending on what it is you've got. So, um, for example, the info cubes on the outside, you will download one data packet at the end of each player turn. So bear in mind, this is turn we're talking about, not round. So my turn, next turn, next, yes. next blah, 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 yep. back and forth. Then there is also a thing called the data vault, which is in the middle. And that can be down, that um, works differently in that it's a console that you activate. Yes. And in addition to that, you can control it by being in base contact with it to gain additional data yes. packets. Yeah. So there's a lot of risk reward mm-hmm. with approaching data packets. So infill cubes, go out there, grab it, run away, hide in the corner, and you get a trickle of information. Yeah. So safe, low yield. Uh, with the, with the data, vault, data vault, as long yeah. as you've activated it, you don't have to be there the opponent can't come in and activate it. So you have to defend it to some extent. Yes, yes. If you want to risk a little bit more and you can leave someone there touching the data vault who survives your opponent's turn, then, 
Or at the end of your turn as well. In, in, end of your turn, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, end of your turn. <coughs> then then you will all you will get additional an additional data yeah. packet. Yeah. Um so what I really like about this, this mission is that it is there's it's kind of a splice of two different styles of play mm-hmm. where you're like looking to dominate the middle, mm-hmm. um, push the button, hold it to get those additional data packets, but also there are two supply boxes essentially that you can run away with, mm-hmm. hold and just get a cont- continuous trickle of, of, of points. Yep. Um, now, what's interesting about this mission is who can do these things. So we have... Um, oh, actually, this is... Uh, this is... So, so this is actually different from what the final mission is. Um, there was a slight change to it, which I realized that hasn't been added to this, this mm-hmm. packet. So um, initially what happened was there was the, um, the data alt, a hacker has a plus three whip and two rolls to activate the data vault. Mm-hmm. However, um, since speaking to the author, he's actually changed this, and he's changed it to forward observers. Okay. Um, get this to me tonight so yeah. I can yeah. <laughs> so I can forward, make sure I get this in. He actually changed it to forward observers mm-hmm. um, for what you know reason that I think a few players have picked up on. There's just a lot of hacker bonuses in this yep. mission. And while hacker makes mm-hmm. sense because it's a data vault, um, he figured forward observers just to give yeah, them a bit of it's a... It's nice to remember they exist. Yeah. Um, but what's, what's, what's really interesting, though, and I think, did, this, did you miss this one as well? I think may have, may have missed this one too, is the, uh, the info cubes on the mm-hmm. outside can be extracted by engineers, but also... Booty. Oh, you, you did write that yeah, down? Yeah, also booty. Oh, where is that? Uh, okay, specialists yes. or troops yes. with booty. Yes, specialists or troops with booty skill can also declare skill. So this this gives this gives a little bit of play around those mm-hmm. mi- those units that have booty. Um, so I'm thinking like Carmen and Batard, um, um, authorized bounty hunters, um, uh, Ada Swanson. Mm-hmm. Some of those some of those units that you that maybe don't get maybe necessarily much play. Suddenly they're like, oh hey, we can we can do this. We can mm-hmm. we can do the thing. And they also they, they also get the plus they also get the plus three I think as well. Uh, I don't believe so. I think they're just allowed to. Okay, they're just allowed to. Sure. And engineers get a bonus for extracting cubes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's a bit of an interesting um, difference in mm-hmm. the mechanic. Um, so yeah, I think this one's really interesting um, because of those two ways you can which you can interact mm-hmm. with the objectives. But then you were mentioning as well with the way that the data packs are, data packets are downloaded. Yes. Um, so do you want to explain that to us to them there? Uh, so how many point how the points are worked out? Yeah. So instead of a one to one, you basically get to exchange your data packets for objective points at the end of the game. So if you've got between one and five data packets, you get one point. Between six and ten, you get two. Between eleven and fifteen, you get three. And if you get sixteen or more, you get four points. On top of that, uh, there is a one additional point if you have more data packets than your adversary. Yeah. Yeah, which which what I like about this is because it's turn by turn, right? Mm-hmm. It's um it's that immediate scoring again, right? Yes. So I I grab an info cube and I push the button. That's immediately two in data packets I've got, which mm-hmm. is effectively one objective point. Yes. Um, and that's locked in. Mm-hmm. If I can hold that info cube and keep that button pushed until the end of your turn, mm-hmm. Nick, that's another two points. Another mm-hmm. two no points, be it packets. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of like getting your head around that mm-hmm. thing where you, you know you're constantly saying points, but you actually mean packets because mm-hmm. they don't. You know you could end up with the game with ten data packets, but that's only two objective points. Yes. Um, but you you will you will accumulate mm-hmm. them quickly, mm-hmm. especially if the longer that you hold on to them. Mm-hmm. Um, now one of the things that was brought up to me by one of our locals after 
we played this game is um, because it's a turn-based scoring system, the second player is actually locked out of any points on the first turn. Yes. So, you know, over the course of the game, the maximum you can score per turn is one for each of the info cubes. Uh, five. Five? How is it? How can you get five? One for each info cube and two points plus one for boosting the objective or oh, the think, uh, middle. I think you only get plus one for boosting, right? Yeah, but it's worth two to start with. Download two packets for having. Oh yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah. you're right. Yes, two for mm-hmm. activating the data vault and an additional one for boosting it. Yeah, so five. Mm-hmm. So over the course of six turns, mm-hmm. right? Then that's that's thirty packets you can mm-hmm. download, right? Maximum. Uh, yes. Like if all goes well. Yes, it would be a maximum of thirty packets for the first player if yes. everything went well. But only twenty five. Twenty five if everything went full for them yes. for the second player. However. Regardless of which one of those happens, it means they've completely dominated their opponent. Their opponent didn't score anything. Yeah, I think I th- I, I'm not sure how much of a big deal it is that the second player is locked out of five data packets. Uh, because I want to play it a few times because I'm curious how many points that the first player can actually get. Uh, also, if the first player is going up there to dominate that much, they haven't alpha. Yeah, yeah, and I, uh, suddenly second player gets alpha. So I played this game with Jacob uh, like last week, and I, I went and went went ham on the objective and just tried to get as many data packets out as I could, and I went first. And what the game ended with was me with something like, I think it was ten data packets, or yeah, ten yeah, I think ten data packets. Mm-hmm. I think I'd like gotten four on turn one, and you know, I I I kept one of the info cubes mm-hmm. for the whole game. That was like, uh, I think that was what like six six points mm-hmm. yeah plus then getting the the activating so it's about 10 point 10 mm-hmm. data packets i had mm-hmm. but jacob because he punched me really hard back and stopped me from getting back to the active back to the console in the middle at the end of the game he had actually had 16 mm-hmm. so he had he had max objective points whereas mm-hmm. i wasn't able to get that because i even though i went first and could get more mm-hmm. it was actually not a very good idea for me really to go for that many on the first turn because mm-hmm. i didn't have an option to punch my opponent so i think i think in the balance i think it's fine it, mm-hmm. it could be a concern because obviously we don't want to like create uh, a situation where one player literally cannot get as many packets as correct. the opponent and now that you bring that up uh, i think you could adjust the conversion of data packets to objective points some because it's it looks like the 16 is based on the maximum possible of 30. But that maximum possible 30 is for first player. It's maximum 25 for second player. Mm-hmm. So that might, and given this is this would be a case of we play this many times and get some data gathered and say, okay, yeah. 16 might be a little bit high. Maybe it's 14 or something like that. Yeah, that that seems fair. And then the last mm-hmm. thing I want to mention about this mission is it does have an exclusion zone. But what I really like about it is it's got a slightly modified exclusion zone, which is a little bit less exclusionary. Mm-hmm. Um, in that it it um any, any it's called the restricted access zone, which means the restricted access zone applies is applicable only during the deployment phase. Therefore, it will not affect use of airborne deployment skill used during a player's turn, which is really great. Uh, another point about it is any trooper deploying within the restricted access zone, so you can still deploy inside it. You just must make a fizz roll with a minus three mod in the same way as it's basically a confused deployment. Yes, it's like combining confused deployment and exclusion zone. Yes. So you have uh, like a 
it is an exclusion zone, but if you really want to push it, you still can. Yeah, and and I think that that is nice because it still allows you to deploy four inches out of your deployment zone, right? Yes. Use yeah. four deployment or mm. a lot of infiltration. Yeah. But if you really want to go across, you know, get up to the midway point to get to those buttons, and let's just say you've got a unit that doesn't have a camel state anyway, right? So I'm thinking Nahabs mm -hmm. as an example. Mm -hmm. Filling that role doesn't really affect them that much. Mm -hmm. it, you just because you get to deploy them back inside the deployment zone anywhere you want, so you're not really miss, missing out on it. Mm -hmm. But the the risk, there's like sort of a risk reward type mm -hmm. of thing. And um, but what's also kind of interesting is is by making that fizz roll, it's exactly the same as you over infiltrating. It doesn't. It do, as far as I'm aware, it doesn't stack. Um, or it, does it does stack. stack it does, but stack. Okay. It, you're right. It makes this interesting situation where if you go just outside your deployment zone, it's free. Yeah. If you go up to the halfway point, you've got a minus three. If you go the next oh, half, it, does say that, yes. it goes up to a minus six. But if you go beyond that, it goes back to a minus three. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. So it encourages to, you to over-infiltrate. Over, over Over-over-infiltrate. That, that's right. Because that's, <laughs> that's what I remember doing in my game. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I can put my NAHAB just outside your deployment zone. That's the same rule as me going into my half. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm not sure if that's deliberate or not, but... It's fun. And with the restricted access using the confused deployment rules, the failure of that role is less severe. Yes. Because you get to place anywhere in your deployment rather than portage. Yeah. Yeah. So that becomes a bit more useful. Mm -hmm. You still you lose your camel state and whatnot, but I'm thinking units like Andromeda also would be very good in this one because she is a specialist. Yep. Um, doesn't really lose anything from mm -hmm. it. So yeah. No, this one's really good. The, the, I was really close to wanting to put this in my top five. The reason why I didn't was because of the aforementioned way the data packets are scored. Um, and I th I'm just not sure that's mm -hmm. balanced enough. But other than that, I think this mission is fantastic. Yep. Um, really, really, really like it. Really like the thought that went into it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay, on with that, we will move on to <laughs> uh, Ships of the Night. Oh, fuck. All right, Rob, Rob Cantrell, you absolute so, unit. Slight <laughs> tangent, we did just play a game of this right before we recorded this. Yes, yes. Uh, currently, and uh, we yeah. had very different opinions on this mission going into it, and... Kev was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Nick is currently sitting, like I said before, sitting in a lounge room. We just had a lovely game of Ships in the Night. Thank you, Rob, for writing the mission. It was chaotic, as ex as we expected it to be, but also different, I think, than what yes. we initially expected yeah. it to be. So um, we'll quickly go through. Do you want to go through this Oh, one? sure. It's it's actually, like most missions for Rob, it is elegantly simple. <laughs> And just tweaks one or two little things. And in this case, it's tweaking the entire deployment phase. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, there are no deployment zones. No. Uh, you roll off for initiative. <laughs> this is the deployment zone. It's, it's, this oh. is the table. It's yes, just like that's a, the table. <laughs> it's just a, for those who can't see this, it's just a 48 by 48 square with an 8-inch circle in the middle of the table. That's your zone of operations. Yep. There is no deployment zone. Well, no. actually, sorry, everywhere is a deployment zone. The entire yes. table is a deployment zone. <laughs> yes. So, basically, you roll off for initiative. Whoever wins the roll keeps initiative. And don't worry, it makes sense. Oh, yeah. So, there are two choices for that player. They are player one or they are player two. Player one deploys first and goes first. Player two deploys second and goes second. So, deployment in this. Player one, you deploy all your models anywhere on the table. Yeah. All of them. All of them. Nothing's held back. Even if you've got Strategos, doesn't matter. Correct. Yeah. Player two deploys all their models on the table anywhere they want. Uh, except for I, you can't be in silhouette contact with an enemy, I believe. 
That's right. That's yeah. correct. Yes. Uh, and that's it. Then player one goes. That's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thing, thing to bear in mind, troopers, troopers may deploy using hidden deployment and airborne deployment as normal. Yes. So you can still hold things off the board as far as, you know, uh, hidden deployment and um, uh, combat jump and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so because there's no deployment zones, there has to be initial clarification. And Rob went with the most liberal possible yeah. interpretation of this. So for the purposes of any special skill that refers to a friendly or enemy table edge or a friendly or enemy deployment zone, the player controlling that trooper decides what is a friendly or enemy deployment zone or yes, board edge. That's one, yeah, that's it. Uh, which we actually found a little bit of interesting tweak that um, I think probably needs to be covered in oh, this. Uh, with impetuous, yes, yes. Because we had impetuous troops that were in places that they couldn't see anything and suddenly went... Um, yeah. I guess that board is my deployment, is my opponent's deployment zone. Wee. Yeah, so you can kind of like liberally <laughs> use impetuous by being like, that's my opponent's deployment zone, so I'm going to go in that direction and then follow the, all, the, all the other yeah. rules. Yeah. Which... To me, it's sort of it, it's uh, it almost for this mission. You know how like when you get into an in it when an impetuous trooper gets into an enemy deployment zone, they essentially become like kings and they can go yep. anywhere they want. Queens, whatever it is, in checkers, mm -hmm. they can go. They yeah. can do whatever they want, right? Yeah. So I think I feel like that's just the rule to use. Yeah. So, as long as you, as long as you still go, as long as you still try and move as far from your starting position as possible, yeah. and use your full movement, mm -hmm. I feel like it's just more fun to be like go wherever yeah. you want because yeah. you just deployed wherever you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's the objective of this mission? Uh, the objective of this mission: there is an eight-inch zone of control, a zone of operations in the middle. Yeah. The goal is to hold it. Yeah. Uh, you get two points at the end of every game round, and then two additional points at the end of the game for occupying. At it. the end of the game. Uh, you also get points for killing lieutenants because there is reinforced tactical link in this one. Yes. And and no no loss of lieutenants, so you, everyone knows who their lieutenant is, yes. which makes deploying even more fucking frightening. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes and no because penalty for losing your lieutenant isn't as bad no but it means that if your opponent just goes dink i killed your lieutenant nice and easy well you're now down two points until you catch up on lieutenant kills. that's right yeah yeah uh, do you want to talk about the way that zone of control or zone of operations is scored yes because this this was something that i actually didn't realize until about 20 minutes before you came around tonight and i was like oh well too late to change my list mm -hmm. so um occupy zone of operations um so it's um, occupy zone of operations. A zone of operations is occupied if a player has more troopers than the adversary in the zone of operations. So that does not mean dominate. That does not mean control. That means occupy, which means it has nothing to do with how expensive or how big or whatever is about this model. It's just how many do you have yep. in that eight-inch bubble? How many bodies do you have in the bubble? Yeah. And the only difference to this is baggage and yep. shazvasti so baggage uh, gives you an additional account you count as you count two, as two two troopers so a baggage trooper will count as two troopers uh, and shazvasti is a, even if you're in a null state yeah you still it's basically as, unchanged you still count you still count you still count but you just count as one so, correct so like building a list with like a big chunky heavy infantry core is still five models yes doesn't five so counts as five doesn't count as like 100 odd points so it really changes i think i think it yeah. changes quite well, a lot about what you might value your 80 point tag counts just as much for occupying yeah as the 10 point line trooper yep yeah as a as a as a, as a shaolin monk as a tiger yep right 
as whatever. It's yeah. like, whoa, okay, yep, that changes things. Uh, Unless you're Maggie, and then you count as two shallow monks. Maggie, you count two <laughs> monks. Uh, there's also a defensive turret in this one as well, which um, which is really interesting. We did we did note we did note that the way that um, Rob has written it is different from how it's written in the ITS packet, where it says before deployment phase, each player must place a defensive turret totally inside the deployment zone. The player that kept deployment. Oh, sorry, how did you edit this one? Uh, I believe I did. Okay, so next edited it to make to reflect the ITS packet, but reading through the unedited version, he yes. says that you deploy them when you deploy your force, yep. which is different to how ITS says, which is where you deploy it before. Correct. And now having played it, that makes perfect sense. I thought it may have been a typo because it's basically copy and paste of yeah. the ITS rule. But no, in this case, it does need that clarification because otherwise you get a weird situation where you place two defensive turrets and everyone deploys everywhere else. That's true, yeah, because there's no like, there's no real line of scrimmage. There's just, mm -hmm. there's just anywhere, just nebulous deployment. Mm -hmm. Um, so we played it, and uh, what do we think? Of the... I think it was a lot of chaotic fun, <laughs> and it plays entirely differently to Infinity, uh, because, uh, well, let's just talk about deployment. So yeah. I deployed a nice core link with good coverage on top of a building. And then Kev deployed two repeater bots in it. <laughs> My hacker was in that. So I had to figure out how to kill his hacker that was on the board before I, op I activated my entire core link. Um, yeah. You, you I had a good plan, and my hacker, my parachuting killer hacker nah, fluffed it. Fluffed it. Yeah. But yes, it, it creates a moment because I think we started the game hmm. and you kind of had a moment of like, huh, how, what, how, hmm, because it, it was just chaotic, right? Because everything's so close to each other. You deployed first. I deployed, I put, a, I put like a TR bot looking at your link. I put like a, yeah, two other repeater bots basically uh, with shotguns. You were running four TR bots. Oh, yes. yes sorry. <laughs> yeah. I ran, I ran two, she had two TR HMGs and two baggage TR with rifle like shotgun and basically put like three or four of them just facing his like on the rooftop or looking at the rooftop where his core link were where he just couldn't use them <laughs> um, but then it creates all these other interesting scenarios where because everyone's sort of like on top of each other mm -hmm. everyone's like you put your down your unit I put down like a Navitan with heavy flamethrower looking at that unit yeah. but then you have uh, another unit looking at that unit and then if anyone moves anywhere Everyone gets a dodge or everyone gets a yeah. hack because you're in a repeater zone of one of the things that you've just put down. And it creates this real like, like there's a few times where I went, oh, I did that in the wrong order. I should have, I should have shot this unit over here first. Yes. Because now I've just given you a free dodge and now you've just dodged into CC with the unit that I was trying to lock down your core link with. Yes. And you're like, ah, oh, didn't think about that because the situation that you come up with that in Infinity is, is not that common. Like yes. it'll happen, but maybe turn two or turn three of a mm -hmm. game. And you're aware of it, whereas in this mission, it happens from the very first order. So you have yes. to really carefully think about the order of activation of your units so that you don't end up with this cascade or like the, your plans going out the window. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it was a very fun, very, very it fun It was fun. Mission. It was chaotic. Uh, I would love to try it again sometime. It's, oh boy, did it have a steep learning curve? Yeah, yeah, I think, especially for going first. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think going first. I think that's one of, one of my criticisms of the mission is I think going first is not very good. Um, going second seems to be a lot um, easier to understand because you get to de counter deploy everything mm -hmm. of your opponents or whatever's on the table, and yeah. um, also you get the last. You get to answer 
second mm-hmm. and then move things into the zone. Yep. If you go first mm-hmm. and you try to over overcommit and put things in the middle, then all I need to do is just remove whatever I need to remove from there and I, I can I can get it. Yeah. On and also you just get such an advantage by knowing where everything is. Yeah. So you can you can go, well I don't want to put that like I think I had a situation where I had Fiddler and I was like, all right, I don't want to put you anywhere near too many hacking things, too many repeaters. So mm-hmm. I just knew where to put her. Mm-hmm. But you going first, you just kind of have to yeah. think about what I... Yeah, it's very... Um, yeah, because I, I tried to spread out some, but not too much. Mm-hmm. And like looking toward the end, going like, oh, there's this whole area of the board I haven't touched. I'm like, okay, I'll deploy a camo beast hunter there because you'll know exactly what it is because I'm running Rama. Yeah. And that's a scary enough piece that you have to respect it some. Yeah. And that'll at least have a nice zone around it that you want to and then of course you drop batard into it yeah right and, and uh, yeah and that's like, it, it does make the whole game play very differently the other thing that we were talking about mm-hmm. during that game is that we wonder if it might work better is if the eight inch bubble um zone is replaced with a um uh objective room yes which would make it smaller because obviously it's an eight inch radius we're talking about not Correct. Eight, sorry, eight inch sorry, square sorry, as opposed to eight inch radius sorry yeah sorry we were saying eight inch bubble it's not an eight inch bubble though it's a 16 inch bubble it's an eight inch radius bubble eight inch yes. radius bubble yeah, yeah but we're talking about maybe replacing it with an objective room yeah um, which is definitely it's smaller yeah it's easier to defend it's more familiar to defend mm-hmm. for infinity players and I think that might help some with the advantage going first versus second. Because you can kind of hold yourself up a little bit better inside uh, there. It also, the fact that it's infinitely tall yeah, helps with the board because now you don't have all these angles coming everywhere across the board. Yeah. It, now you have kind of like a circle around the objective room uh, that you have to negotiate left and right around. It's a little bit easier to on the one hand i'm like happy that it's not an objective room mission because objective rooms can be a pain in the arse right so any table can fit for this mission mm-hmm. but not every table set up is good i think having the uh, having it be an objective room would make it friendlier to more types of terrain tables it, it just basically removes that whole like that whole worry because um, when you were when i was setting up the table for tonight's mm-hmm. game i was like oh this middle i need to make it open enough that I can put things into it, but yeah. not too open that it just becomes an absolute like yeah, just, you don't like, want a bunker. Just, just 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 a killing ground. Like it needs to be a bit of a bit of in between. Whereas mm-hmm. I guess an objective room just takes that decision making out of yes. the, the the table person itself in yes. the table's hands. Yes, it'll make the tables more uh, more regular. Yeah. Between yeah. them. Yeah, but then it has the it has the downside of it being an objective room table, which mm-hmm. can be a pain in the ass to set up in in mm-hmm. an event. Not yes. that this, not that I think this mission should be in any competitive event. Uh, I think it should be in fun events, but um, I would not give it two hours. No, I would give it probably three hours at yeah, least. It, I, that's the other thing is yeah, we were saying is it's our first time playing it, mm-hmm. but I think because of the wacky deployment zones and what that does to how you interact with your opponent, it. It may, it led to a longer game for us. There are we- so many angles you have to see <laughs> that you wouldn't normally have to care about. Yeah, and the chains of arrows that will affect your later turn actions, like Kev said, of like I activate this one, well that causes Nick to dodge, which now dodges into a model that he wanted to activate later, but now it's engaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so it, it causes that sort of sort of uh, uh, decision 
additional decision making which you don't have to consider normally mm. usually normally but otherwise fun ass mission so yes. thanks so much for that Rob uh, okay next up we have uh, well this was submitted under one name and then changed to a different name after he resubmitted it <laughs> so this is last chance launch oh um, he changed it so oh, okay. yeah this is a mission about evacuating a planet using public transport. <laughs> <laughs> public transport, Victoria. Yes. Get the Mikey out. <clears throat> and on top of that, space on board is limited, which means during rounds two and three, uh, the point cost of the models that can be evacuated drops. So oh. during round two, only models that are 30 points or less can board. Oh, and yes. during round Three, it's 20 points or less. The get around for this is there are two tickets on board on the table for reserved seats. And if you can grab one of those tickets, any point model can use it to board. Oh, yeah. So the, f- the filling seats rule. Yes. Yep. Okay. However, as soon as you pick up the ticket, that model now has an objective point bounty on them. Oh, so this because is... Which, what, what's, the, what's this one? This is the... Uh... Extract? Extract? No. Uh, so, okay. Start with, there's an objective room in the middle. Yes. Okay, that's a very important thing to yeah. start with. So, start with an objective room in the middle. Uh, yeah. I believe this is one that starts closed. Have to get it open. And then how, how there... Do you, how do you get it open? Uh, I believe it's just activating the door. Yeah, open the gates. Open there the we go. gates. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> uh, additionally, if... Hang on. <clears throat> Pardon. Uh, if someone picks up a ticket the gates automatically open. So either pick up a ticket, trigger them to open, or... How do, you, how do you pick up a ticket? Uh, the extract, I believe. Extract? The trip remember the contact must have been with a Mikey inspector? No, that's the... Oh, sorry, no, that's... Sorry, that's extract your models. Yeah. You want... Uh, acquire, acquire ID. Acquire ID. So that is... Um, now, so where do you got, get that from? That's you've from, got the two. Uh, so hang on, let's 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 just let's just go back to the table design from yep. the start again, right? So we've got the objective room in the middle, mm-hmm. and then on I guess the corners of each of the objective room, you have you have uh, what what's called a uh, you've got sorry you've got what's called lovers. Yeah, skip the them corner, for now. But we'll skip them for now. Okay. And then you also have uh, eight inches from the edge of the center line on each side mm-hmm. is what's called the ID scanner. And that is where you get your, your ticket. ticket from. Yep. Okay. So you can open up the train, whatever, yep. by the gates, by opening them normally. Yep. But in order to exit the the, the, the thing, yep. you want to get the ID out of the uh, console. So right? that will let you get around the point restriction on extracting. Ah, yes, right. Okay, we were saying so, a bit of 30 points before. Is you extract, there's a ticket scanner in the middle, lovingly called a Mikey reader, because we're in, we're in the Victoria. author is from Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's a short skill. Uh, you go up there, you spend the short skill, you make the roll, and success, you get extracted from the board. So that model gets removed. They are now considered to have survived, and they're put into a pile separately. You count up for victory, for objective points afterwards about how much you extracted from the board. Mm-hmm. So basically, how much escaped. Yep. Uh, the balance there is that first turn, there's no point limit. Second turn, it's capped at 30 set, uh, per model, and third turn's capped at 20 per model. Ah, uh, right, okay. If so you get the only... ticket in there, you can extract any point model. So if you get a ticket to a tag, you can extract the tag on turn three. 
Yep. Okay. So it's that balance of how much do I leave on the table versus how much do I extract? Because if I don't extract enough, I don't get victory points. But if I extract too much, then I don't stop my opponent from extracting more. Yeah, it's very it's very tricky and, and mm. interesting the way that he's done the limitation on mm. who can be extracted when, mm. and then they they get around it as you've got an idea, an ID, but I believe there's only one ID per per. Um, uh, there per are two IDs. Of they are not restricted. Okay. To who can pick them up? Right. However, if you pick it up, the opponent now gets objective points for killing that model. But you can only extract one ID from each console, right? Correct. Okay, yeah. Each console has one ID. Yeah, one if ID. If you extract it, you get an objective point if you successfully get the model holding the ID off the board. So extract it. Yep. The opponent gets an easier one objective point if they kill the model holding the ID. You can hand the ID off, but if the model with it dies, it gets pulled. It goes with them. Hang on, what? Oh, so you can swap the ID. Like okay. you can hand the idea, so you could have yeah, a special, a like, cheap like, specialist go over, like a like like a supply box. Yes, right. Okay. Uh, except if the model with it dies, the ID goes away. Ah, oh, really? So okay, once sure, the sure, ID sure. is in play, yes, it's permanently that player's. They only get the objective point if they get it off the table. Your opponent just has to kill the model with it. Right. Okay. But you can you can obviously yeah you can hand it off to some uh, a larger point model correct in order to get them off the table yep. and get and bag those points because it says at the end of the game have more army points extracted mm -hmm. at the end of the game have more one or more extracted civilians now this is the okay this so is now the, it's the lovers the, the lovers okay so there are four <laughs> civilians star cross lovers uh, there are two pairs of star crossed lovers <laughs> uh, they are deployed <laughs> diagonally yeah. from each other on opposite sides of the objective room. And you get points for extracting civilians. So basically, civivac them, and if the model who has them in civivac extracts, they extract with them. So it says at the end of the game, have one or more extracted civilians, one objective point per, per civilian? Correct. Yeah. Um, there is a bonus if you have extracted a pair of lovers. A pair, a pair of lovers. <laughs> so if you extract both the blue lovers or both the red lovers, uh, then you get a bonus point. Of Oops. course, still maximum of 10. Maximum of 10. Yeah. And they're on opposite sides of the table, so it's quite tricky to do. Correct. Right, yeah. Uh, but you don't have to extract them at the same time. No, no. Just right. at the end of the game, if they're both right. with you. If they're both with you. Yeah. yeah. So this, this mission... This mission, as you can probably tell by us, like still kind of bumbling our way through it, it's uh, there's a fair bit going on. It's complicated. I think once you get on the table, it flows pretty well. Yeah, I reckon. It uh, but yeah, it's a narrative mission. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think there's. And it's funny. There's been a few missions, like two or three missions, I reckon, that have a similar mechanic of extracting something from the drop shipping. Yeah. This one, one you talked about in the last episode, uh, extract and escape. I think maybe yeah. it was something. Um, no, not, no, not one. Um, Right, I think there. I think there's a third one that I think came in late. Yes, there is another one. Yeah, and yeah, so it's interesting to see players mm -hmm. play with this mechanic uh, multiple different ways and mm -hmm. and all in, in interesting and fun ways. So this one's great. Uh, thanks so much to uh, Dante. Um, I feel like we're doing a lot of um, a lot of Melbourne um, or Australian um, <laughs> ones. This is just coincidence. I mean, that's not, uh, we're not, that we're not a lot of them are runners up but not the first that's that's true yeah that's true yes uh okay so we'll go on to the next one uh so we have do we want to do uh, the, or do you want to move on yeah to, let's just move on we're it's yeah we're running long we're running anyway so we can anyway. skip that one okay so we'll move on to 
this is a new one that was added by uh, at the end. So this one's called Expunge. Yes. Right. Uh, so premise is pretty simple. Grab data packets, upload them to servers on your opponent's side of the board. Yeah. So the uh, the, the, the yeah. board the board looks like um, it's got it's similar to the Frostbite one, I think, where you've got a uh, not quite similar to the Frostbite, where you've got a bunch of consoles in the middle, mm-hmm. one one on your deployment um, edge, like Capture and Protect, one at the edge of the exclusion zone. One in the middle, and then oh, same on the opposite yep. side. And then you've got two, uh, I think, consoles. I guess we call uh, them. they have antennas. Antennas, yeah, uh, on the twelve-inch line. Oh, sorry, on the center line, twelve inches in from the side of the board. Yeah, and then an exclusion zone, but a six-inch exclusion zone, which is a bit yes. different as well. So overall, the concept of the mission isn't that complicated. It's not. Um, I almost say it's not that novel, but it's the details that the the uh, that um, Ethan adds in here. Uh-huh. So. Uh, normally, in a lot of missions, we've got a random console in the middle of the table. We only score points if we hold it at the end of the game. Yep. Uh, so, he decided, let's give that something to do during the game. So, if you control the console during the game, mm. your specialist's roles to activate other equipment get a bonus mod. Yes, I so, like this one. it's not game-breaking, but it means that the console actually has purpose the whole game. It's not just, oh, it's turn three, I need to rush and touch that thing. Yeah, because there's no actual... Yes, yeah, so you get you get a point for controlling the console, but yeah, during the game, you get a plus three to your whip or yep. your other models to extract a data packet mm-hmm. from the servers, which are yes. the ones up, up, up oh, the middle no, of the table. Sorry, ex- extract from the antennas. Oh, extract from the antennas, so, sorry, yes. I, and that's... Another thing that I like about this. So you need a specialist to extract the data packets. Just like supplies. Just like supplies. Mm-hmm. However, anyone can deliver them. Right. And you've got to deliver them to the servers, right? Yes. Your opponent's servers. Your opponent's servers. Uh-huh. So you can have a specialist extract the data and then give it to some speedy grunt and have them race in. Uh, additionally, you don't have to make a roll to deposit the data. Oh. It's just a short skill. So you can have speedy little suicide troop go, here's your data packet, run up there, I touched it, done. Right. So doesn't up- matter if you died, I touched it. Right, so upload data packet <laughs> while in silhouette contact with either enemy server, a trooper may upload a data packet in the position by spending a short skill without needing to perform a roll. Which is yes. really good. Right? It removes that like, I just need to oh whoops, oh, I rolled a 17. And they just yeah. go beep. Well, it also means your opponent has to be more protective of their servers. It's not just, well, if they get there, they'll make a bunch of whip rolls and I can see them. So every time they try, I'll shoot them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This, uh, they just have to run in and touch it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they obviously need the uh, the short scale in order to place it, but it's not, um, yeah, there's there's, there's no failure state. There's no rule there. So the the main objectives are to upload a data packet to the enemy server closest to your deployment. So there's Mm -hmm. obviously two servers. The one that's furthest away gives you the most amount of points. Mm -hmm. Um, You can obviously, um, if you, yeah, so it's four points if you upload a data packet to the enemy server farthest away from you, Mm -hmm. which is is like a big chunk of points. Mm -hmm. Two points for the one a bit closer to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you upload more, that's another two points. And then mm-hmm. if you can control the console in the middle, that's another two points. And then finally, there's one classified objective. So yep. nice little spread there um, on different like varying levels of difficulty. Yes. 
um, um, four and then a bunch of twos. So there's one thing that I wasn't sure if it was intentional or not. Mm-hmm. So I left it as is. There's no restriction on where you can upload the data packets. Meaning that you can upload two data packets to the same server. Oh, which does that affect the scoring? Um, <clears throat> oh, yeah. I, you get, I you think get two points for uploading more. Well, you still only got two. Yeah, but no, it says you, at the end of the game, have uploaded more. So Correct, upload but more. each player only has two data packets. Yeah, but you can upload them both into the same server for the same points. Oh, what I mean is that if their four po- if their back server is really well protected, yes, you could potentially just upload twice to the near server. That's what I mean. It's yes. less points. Yeah, but it might be feasible, and the other one might not be even. So, but there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you, um, you you can, and whether or not it's intentional or not. Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. The reason I don't know if it's intentional is because it's also possible to upload twice to the back server for eight points, and I don't think that was intentional. But I yeah. Uh, this is one of those uh, oh. I couldn't tell which one the author's intent was because there are arguments both ways and I leave this one up to the community to decide how they would like to play it or um, hopefully maybe we get some additional feedback later from um, the author. Well, I mean, <clears throat> counting up the main objectives, right? So we've got two mm-hmm. for uploading the closest. That's yep. four for uploading the farthest. That's mm-hmm. six. Yeah. Another two for uploading more. So that's eight. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, control the console is ten. So you're already at 10 before you even get to the classified objective. Correct. Oh, sorry. Yeah, because it says that each Correct. player is one classified objective, yeah. but only if you have less than 10. Yeah. So the classified is really just a bonus. Correct. Okay, so, so already makes 10. If you say you can get 8 from uploading to the farthest deployments, then you so, literally only have to get a classified to get 9. Correct. Uh, I think if I were to change it to... Um, you I say would say once, once you could only dis- upload once to the far server, but you could upload twice to the near server. Oh, okay. Or you uh, say each server may only be uploaded a packet to once. Yeah. Once it's done, it's locked or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just just to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. This one's really good. Uh. This one's a later. This was a later edition, so I didn't have much time to read over it. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad mm-hmm. that you had a look at yeah. it. Um. Because I think I think a lot of good details. Yeah. I think it's really, really, really good. Um. So thanks very much, Ethan, for that one. All right. We are coming towards the end. We only have a couple more to get to. Uh, we wanted to get to this one because, um, again, it actually got a little bit of a uh, mention from um, from from CB. We won't say exactly mm-hmm. why, but we did get a <laughs> mention for it. Uh, um, and this one is called Payload. So this one is from, um, I'm going to butcher this, but Bartiger Strategie and Tristan228. Uh, so thanks very much, gentlemen, for bringing this one in. Uh, so this one is uh, uh, based around what is, I think, uh, you mentioned it in the last episode, actually. It's in, like an Overwatch. Uh, I think my, I think, uh, I think Val mentioned, Val it's, mentioned a- it's like an Overwatch style where you have this payload, uh, which is uh, 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 an objective, I guess, in the middle of the table um, that has an 8-inch bubble of control, but also a 4-inch bubble of nano screen yes. that you have to dominate um, each round. But what makes it interesting is not just the nano screen, but the fact that whoever dominates it each round, it moves in the opposite direction. Correct. So it moves away from whoever dominated it. Yes. Uh, so it makes it more difficult to continue to dominate and easier for the opponent to take it back. How uh, far does it move? 
Uh, I believe four inches. Six, six inches. Six moves six, six, six inches. Oh yes. Um, or four four inches. Uh, four one fifty. One fifty yeah. point game towards your opponent's table edge, ignoring any intervening terrain. If the payload cannot be placed hmm. on that spot, move that payload laterally the minimum distance you, until it can be placed, making sure distance between payload and opponent's table edge remains unchanged by this lateral movement. Um, and if neither dominate, it doesn't move. Yep. So that means uh, the it'll move. 18 inches if you dominate it all three rounds. So you'll end up... Being, yeah, it could end up... Well, the third round doesn't really matter. That's true. Oh, yeah, true. Because uh, it can... Yeah, it can move 12 inches. So it can move to the edge of your opponent's deployment zone. That's true, yes. Yeah, yeah third turn, it doesn't matter because it's the end of the round because the scoring is something like... Um, yeah, each, each game round, dominate the payload. Um there is an extra bit for your extractor who we'll get to at the end of the game have dom have, have the payload completely inside your opponent's half of the game table so that's just obviously an extra bonus point if you yep. at least get it once at the end of the game have the payload completely inside your opponent's deployment zone so oh so you can get yes. to the opponent's deployment zone uh so basically if you dominate all three rounds then it'll be in your deployment zone. Oh, at the end of the game it will yes. it'll move yeah so it It'll matter for scoring purposes. It won't matter for uh, moving purpose or uh, oh, at claiming the end purposes. of each game round. Yeah. yeah. So the end of game yeah. turn three moves after yeah. you've already dominated. The, and then yeah, for okay. the other one, if you dominate twice and they dominate once, that means it'll end up on their side of the table. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you cut. You get one point per round, and then you get points based on who dominated more, and that's decided by where it ends up in the end game. Yeah. So we mentioned the extractor at the end of the deployment phase in initiative order. So it's similar to Master Breacher. Um, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they are almost... They're almost identical. If the extractor gains a marker state, the extractor adds plus one... Oh yeah, so this is where we get to the scoring. Mm -hmm. It says the extractor adds plus one to their trooper value for dominating the payload, which gets us yes. to the dominating... Trooper value. <laughs> which is... This is, a, this is something I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And this is something similar to Ships in the Night that caught yes. me off guard because I read it and mm -hmm. said, oh yeah, domination... Mm -hmm. However, this is not domination in the way that we're used to. So the payload is dominated by a player if they have a greater trooper value completely within completely mm -hmm. within four inches of the payload. A trooper's base must be completely within four inches of the payload to con contribute to the player's value, blah, blah, blah. Um, now it says trooper value, right? So each trooper in a non-null state has a trooper value. Troopers with silhouette size of three or less have a trooper value of one. Troopers with a silhouette size of four or greater have a trooper size of two. Troopers with the baggage special rule increase the trooper value by one. This also applies to the extractor who gets mm -hmm. a plus one. Mm -hmm. so this is this is um, this is kind of in between ships in the night. Where ships in the night is a very simple, easy to count. Yep. You just go. Dun, 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 I have three models. You have two mo or three models. You have two troopers. Therefore, three dominates. Yeah. Uh, this adds a little bit more nuance to it. Yes. But it's still. A lot easier than adding up army points. That's true, and you could, and you could, sorry, Ooh, and you could tell at a glance as well. Like, oh, that's an S three model. That's yes, one. That's an S four model. That's two. Yep. That's a tag. That's two. Mm -hmm. um, baggage, etc. It gets very easy. Yep. Where I am a little bit unsure about mm -hmm. is how, in the same way as ships in the night, mm -hmm. one tag can be outpointed by three taggers. Um, there's also some issues with things like uh, flashbots. Flashbots, Flash, yeah. flashbots are cheap, but they are they qualify for two points. No, they qualify for one. 
Oh, or, they're Silhouette Oh, sorry, Silhouette 3. Never mind. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So You'd have they, to get to Baggage Bots. You have to get Baggage Bots S4. But then that yeah. that, but then uh, also is somewhat counter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's not actually that great because, like you say, it's a four inch. Um, it's four inches of the payload, so it's an yes. eight, it's an eight inch bubble. Eight inch. Oh, it's a four inch radius. Correct. Right now, four inches. Right. If we look at a fifty-five mil base, which is like a, a, a baggage ball, yeah. that's two. That's over. It's two inches. Yeah. So that's already half the size of that bubble, and it says they have to be completely in sight. Yeah. Now, depending on where that payload is, you've got terrain in the way, you've got buildings in the way, you've got other models in the way. Yep. Good luck trying to get more than one S fifty-five mil base in there. Like. Mm-hmm. Which then makes it really difficult to, you know, okay, I've got a tag in here, it's two. Mm-hmm. I can literally just squeeze in three S2 models mm-hmm. and meh, mm-hmm. I get that, right? Yeah. I get the point. I, I'll, I'll, I'll beat your, your tag. Mm-hmm. And obviously the tag's more durable, it might survive, yep. but for the purposes of like going second, moving three cheap models, three small models in there, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty, I don't know if I like it. And I, uh, think, and I think the fact that you have to be completely within mm-hmm. makes it even harder. Uh, I like the idea of completely within, but the four-inch radius on a thing that already has its own radius can be rough. It's yeah. not a huge area. The fact that it's got an eight-inch bubble oh. around it, but then it's oh. got a four-inch... So, the eight-inch bubble is the exclusion zone. Oh, right. Okay, we missed this bit. So, there is so, an exclusion zone. There's an exclusion zone that's an eight-inch radius around the payload. The exclusion zone moves with the payload. Right. So okay. you can't. It doesn't matter where it is. You can't combat drop onto it. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then and then, uh, and then in in deployment, you obviously can't deploy anything. Yeah. So inside. Right. Okay. The so. four inch bubble is the, nano, the screen. nano screen and the scoring area. Right. Okay. So I feel like they could just make this an eight inch, uh, like the whole thing be eight inches. Yeah. And maybe make the pay, uh, the nano screen actually. I think the nano screen's good. I think the nano screen's interesting because, again, like what we we're talking about with um, Rob's mission and trying mm-hmm. to make the table not be like a, just an absolute killing field, yeah. is sort of solved a little bit by this nano screen because you okay, uh, sure you can't get out of, get into total cover because now correct, screen, but you can always at least be in cover. It means regardless of where it moves on the table, it is defendable mm-hmm. because everyone who is hugging it has cover. Yeah. I feel like I would change this to allowing so long as your base is majority inside the four inches mm-hmm. to, or make it the same size as the um, a, the eight inch exclusion zone, mm-hmm. make the whole thing. Yeah. Um, just to make it a bit easier and less finickety for the larger mm-hmm. models to move in there. Because I don't see, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be running like a lot of large models in this one. Mm-hmm. Um with the four inch four inches just seems too small to me yeah um but otherwise yeah i think this 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 is a fun mission um uh, it's a moving moving um objective which is mm-hmm. something we've never seen before mm-hmm. um it's got nano screen it's like the, the authors thought about it mm-hmm. um and maybe they ripped it off of overwatch i don't know i don't play video games but uh i don't play yeah. that either so I, I will defer to val who said it is yes uh, uh so yeah otherwise um i think this is good i would like to play this one absolutely and um that's the only, my only criticism is yeah maybe making the area a bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like and you can start to move on. Yeah. Um, both with ships in the night, payload, where they both had different ways of dominating zones, mm-hmm. and I liked that. Not 
as an alternative, or not as a replacement, but as an alternative. So you could have missions that work on points. You could have missions that work on numbers. You could have missions work on size and give you different takes on what you need to bring to that table to dominate that area. Yeah, no, I, I really like uh, yeah all these ideas that we've had so far, but movable objectives, mm -hmm. um, the either the ones where players place their own, own objectives, like the like the one that um, the I wrote for secure and defense, yes. <laughs> but that was a, that whole thing was based on. I'm sick of seeing the same thing, same objectives in the same place all the time, and having to like figure out where my train's going to go to fit where the objective is, so it doesn't become a pain in the arse. Let's just let players place their own bloody objectives. Yeah, you know, give them. Give them a prescription, a, a, a set of limitations, so they don't mm -hmm. just place them wherever they want. But allow players to move things around. Yes, well, that both makes it easier on TOs for train, easier mm -hmm. on just people tossing it out a train to play a one-off game at game store. Yeah, but also it makes the missions have more variety when they're replayed. Yes, you're not always going to the same objective in the same place. You don't know how far you have to move. That's right. Yeah, because I was thinking, okay, yeah, sure, every table is different, so the terrain, the mission, the objective will be slightly different to get to, but it's always in the same place. You always know my, I am four inches away from this objective. Whereas, yeah, if you can place them, you don't know, four and a half, five, six, whatever it is, it can be like really close to the edge of the table. It, mm -hmm. it, it changes things, and I think I really like yeah. that. Yeah, and you could react to the terrain. Mm -hmm. So instead of the terrain having to accommodate the objectives, now the the train contributes to the novelty of the objectives. Yeah, and the player can then decide, oh, this is a good little place to put this because I can nook it in or it's near some cover so I can use it to defend mm -hmm. it. Um, or, hey, I'm going to put this on my opponent's side in mm -hmm. a position where I've got climbing plus, I can get to this objective. Yes. You can start, it becomes a bit of a game and it's a game and a game, which I really mm -hmm. enjoy. But anyway, we... It's uh, like HPTs, but you interact with them. Yes, which again, you said in the last episode, more people are doing that too. Yeah. So um, CB, yes, please do this. All right, so and the last one we're going to talk about tonight is extrication. So I had this one last minute because I wanted to talk about a particular mechanic in this. Um, thanks, thanks, first of all, to Gaz Grubb of the Fast Panda Gaming, um, who is another excellent podcast out there. They're on YouTube. Where they've got battle reports and they're a bunch of really nice guys, so go check them out. Um, the, the main part of the bit of this mission I wanted to talk about was... Um, the extrication points. So we won't get too much into this mission. It's It's got a lot of uh, moving parts, similar to what we discussed in other missions. We've got supply boxes. We've got consoles to hack. Um, we've also have this extraction zone, which is basically once you've extracted the supply boxes, you've got to get them back to this extraction zone to remove them from the table. Um, so it's like, supply, it's, like, it's like supplies, but rather than holding on to the end of the game, you just have to get them back there and remove them. Um, and also you get points for dominating your extraction zone. Mm -hmm. Now, the point I wanted to talk about was what is the extraction zone? The extraction zone is, pull this up, oh, pull this screen up. Mm -hmm. um, they are these the five inch blast templates mm -hmm. that we see, that we use all the time in our games and for decompression zones. Um, they are um, outside of your deployment zone and on either side of the table, uh, sort of like six inches from either side of the table. And they are your extraction zones. And what I really like about them is they are physical um, areas on the table where you have to defend and um, you have to get the supply boxes back to. They're also, because they're not just like a small console, 40 mil console, they've got a bit more size to them. 
They are they interact more with the table. Um, they're basically designed to be. I think the author's notes were essentially like a flare going mm-hmm. up. So they act like smoke in that sort of regard, in that they're infinite height. So they will, you know, they will touch other buildings. So you can be like, you know, if you place this next to a building, then it'll still kind of um, uh, extrapolate up. Mm-hmm. So you can use it on different levels, um, and it just is a nice little way to have um, use of these um, blast templates. And, and and using them actually as an objectives because currently you know obviously we use them for like missile launchers and rocket launchers and things like that but we also use them for the dreaded decompression zones yes um but this is like a decompression zone kind of but it's actually an objective yes which i think is a really nice mechanic mm-hmm. um so i think i would like to see that one used more in in games um because it's easy to visualize right um it's also um the author also mentioned because usually they're like these um, flat discs, they don't really go so well when you're trying to put, put terrain around them because mm-hmm. like, they don't bend. Um, he recommends that he has these 3D, 3D printed like um, rings mm-hmm. that are detachable. So you can like, you know, detach them and put them. You yeah, know, you they, can put down segments of it segments. so you can see where the rest of it is. That's right. Even though they're building there. Yeah. So that is really, that's really handy. Um, and I think I just basically like talking about it, uh, the like it could be a way for CB to continue using some sort of decompression zone if they also count as zones as if they also count as zones of operation. Yep. Um, because it creates like you know we we're just talk, talking about payload there before creates mm-hmm. an area of nano screen. Mm-hmm. You know what if we had like an objective that created that was a saturation zone but it was also an area you wanted to dominate mm-hmm. rather than being these because like we play these games right we play. Captain so Protect, often you just like, you just oh, throw them away. Like, gentleman's agreement we don't play with them. Yeah. yeah. Or like. Oh, we just finished deployment. We forgot our decompression zones. Well, it's too late now because we'd have to rewind the entire deployment. Yeah. So uh, imagine if imagine if the mission was created where those decompression zones were actually where you scored points. Yeah. Uh, I guess be a point to bring up uh, the one we did skip: heat stroke. Uh, so heat stroke, brief summary: it's sorry, uh, Sorry, it is <laughs> it oh. is a variant on frostbite. Um, I think it's it smooths over some of the points on frostbite some people don't like, uh, but the um, the point I'm trying to make they take the decompression zones and make them relevant to the objective. Yeah, so it's inserting your decompression zones. Yep. So normal decompression zones, except for because this is of course heat stroke. Mm-hmm. You're talking about overheating too much heat. Well, if there's no atmosphere to conduct that heat. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, the de- <laughs> so the decompression zones are safe zones that you can't turn off against the heat at the end of the game. Ah, yeah, right. Okay, mm-hmm. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. So it does say, yeah, it is not applied to any model that is totally inside a decompression zone. Yeah. So that is a nice and interesting mm-hmm. way of making use of a terrain zone that I'm going to just say most people don't really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another story that used them as a defensive measure, because you could, uh, it's hard to describe it. Uh, there are multiple deployment zones and some of them touch each other. Like your deployment zone will touch one of your opponent's deployment zones. Um, and they, the author used the templates as ways to protect your deployment zone from intrusion from the opponent. Whoa. Because you could put those templates inside your own deployment zones. 
Right. So because you had deployment zones that touched each other, you could use those to kind of corral your opponent into certain routes other than up, over others. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. No, this 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 one uh, heat stroke. Yeah, we will we we weren't going to discuss it because it is very similar to frostbite, and I think it has done the rounds on TTS. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of like a um, yeah, it, like you say, it's like frostbite's hotter brother. Yes, I think is what was described as. And, yes, and I think it does get around a few of the sort of issues with frostbite in that it uses um quadrants instead of uh the the. Yes. The exclusion zone in the middle. Yeah, you don't have strips. Yeah, it's not strips, it's, it's quadrants. There's still an exclusion zone, but you're not fighting over the exclusion zone, you're fighting over quadrants. Correct. And that also means if you turn on a heater, no matter which heater, it heats the same amount of the board. Yes, it's not this like weird strip. Yeah. It's like, why would I heat that one when I heat my whole entire deployment zone? Correct. Yeah, yeah. so that, that kind of gets around some of the things I don't like about it. It still obviously favors things like heavy infantry, yeah. uh, remotes, tags, oh, and things like that. Yes, although because they heat whole quadrants, it means if you destroy one of those uh, cooling units, there's a lot farther for your opponent to move to get back to another one. That's true. Yeah, it's unless not. You're, unless you're right oh, you deployed by deployed. Yeah. De- destroy the dead zone. I'm going to take a step back, and I'm fine again. Yeah, true. And I think as well because, like in in frostbite, if you if you lose one of your own ones, mm-hmm. sure you've got one to fall back on. But mm-hmm. you but if you don't have that one, you have to get all the way to the other side of the board. Yeah. Whereas at least in this one, you can move into your opponent's. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in yeah, in this one, it's there's less distinction of whose is what is right. which. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't kill you. You don't necessarily own it. It's not yours, Correct. but it won't kill you. There's also no zone in this, like there's in Frostbite, that can't be heated or cooled. Yes. The entire I, board can be cooled yeah. in. Similar to that. It's just the, it's just the, um, the difference is the, the, the heaters, or sorry, the cooling units mm-hmm. are on the deployment zone edges. Yes. Not in the, um, the consoles are still in the middle. But the heat coolers are on the deployment zone, mm-hmm. sort of in oh, the middle of the deployment zone. Sure, price this one. The author specifically used quarters of the table as the reference in here, not quadrants, because quadrants typically end up being just uh, the four in the middle. Yes. So they were very specific, saying they are quarters of the table. Ah, yeah. Uh, so it includes your deployment. It includes correct. the deployment zone, right? Which yes. in this case, then the the coolers end up centered in each zone that they cool actually centered in the ta- on the on the table not yep. as like outside the deployment zone yeah that makes sense which i really like this one this one's really good i, mm-hmm. I would almost say from reading it i prefer it to frostbite um it just seems more balanced more there's it's it, it also implements some bits of mind wipe because it has a short circuit yes. hacking hacking program which is very similar to the mind wipe hacking program yes um because you use it to it, it's it's actually the same thing is it the same, okay, it's yeah, the same yeah. thing yeah. so and you use that to um fry one of the uh a cooling unit yeah. instead of hacking it with a DACC weapon uh you can do both you can do both yes so, but you can you can, you've got the option to do that instead yes which is nice because that's one of the things I do like mm-hmm. about my, about Mind Wipe because I don't mm-hmm. actually like much else about that mission. Mm-hmm. I would like to see that one gone for the next um, uh, ITS just quietly. Um, but anyway, that is all of our um, honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. <laughs> yes, it's getting. <laughs> oh, it's a little later than we thought it's it was going to be. A little bit later. Yeah, we were like, oh, oh yeah, we'll we'll knock this one we'll out and totally and knock out a game and then go do dinner yeah. and then come back and. <laughs> Not have to deal with microphones for a half hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll do this one in, in an hour, no problem. Oh yeah, two hours later, 
two hours later we are you know we're, we're we're wrapping it up now so um yeah that was it we've we've done this now we've done all of the all the top five we've done the honorable mentions we've done a bunch of mechanics so it's really all i have to say is really like a huge thank you to all of our um authors all of the submissions you You've all done a fantastic job. Thank you so much for your feedback as well that you've been giving us while we've been trying to decipher your missions and um, come up with uh, suggestions. And we hope that we, you guys, like um, have enjoyed uh, listening to us um, talk about these missions. And we know that even in, on our Discord so far, we've had a few people come back and say, "Oh, I didn't think about that for my mission." Like the authors have, re- you know, responded mm-hmm. to us and going, "Oh, you you talked about something in the mission I didn't even <laughs> consider before." So yes. it's good. And this is like one of the, the great things and one of the things that will never really come out about a custom mission until it gets played. Yes. Right? Well, and not just played, played by people who don't know the author, mm-hmm. who don't know what the author intended it to do. Yes. Yes. Because you can write a mission and we can say, this mission looks great. Like we were talking about ships in the night. We're mm-hmm. like, this mission looks crazy, but it might just work. Mm-hmm. We played it and we're like, maybe not. Uh, yeah. But for a different reason, it's still good, but just no- for different reasons. Yes. Um, so we're really excited to look to release these mission packets to the wider community yes. and hopefully get them get them play, get some reps up, get some feedback. Um, please um, join us on our Lost Lieutenant Discord or send us a message on Facebook or on our email at lostlieutenant.gmail.com. If you have any feedback from these missions, we will be releasing the whole packet very soon. Once, Nick, once uh, we've got f- It should be out before this should podcast be. gets yes. Yes. yes i think we just need to write a, a short forward for the packet um, and then two or three errors that we found tonight yes but <laughs> like a couple of little, yeah. a couple of things um but we've had so much fun reading them yeah. and uh, i've got probably them. one good read through left but oh it is 68 pages and three thousand fi- or thirty-five thousand words <laughs> um I mentioned to Kev before, it's like two and a half times as long as my master's thesis. Oh man. It's uh we've done we're doing we're doing good work. We're doing oh, we're doing CB's work for them. It has it has been worth it. They're all lovely missions. And yeah, look forward yeah. to seeing how they how they go when they're le- released into the wild. Yeah, and if we haven't shared out your mission on this episode or the last episode, that doesn't mean that we don't like the mission. It's it's all of them are excellent. We just like to say we had thirty six of them, and we have covered half of them. Yes, <laughs> like probably less than half of them. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, with that, um, you've been listening to another episode of Lost Lieutenant. My name's Kevin. I've been Nick, and good night. <laughs> <laughs>